In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. It's a late Saturday night here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where we just watched Atlanta United defeat the Vancouver Whitecaps 4-1. to Joseph Martinez with goals in the 15th, 60th, and 88th minutes for his fourth hat trick in just his 23rd MLS game. He needs one more hat trick to tie the league record. The all-time league record. The the other goal was an own goal, a a result of a Julian Gressel uh, cross, one of a bajillion he had in this game as, as Vancouver's Alfonso Davies just let Julian have whatever space he wanted to have on that right side. Oh, we're going to get into this one. I can already Um, see it. I'm joined, as you can hear, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. We have differing opinions on a few things (laughs) about tonight's performances. Uh, But the win was Atlanta United's second consecutive at home, second consecutive on the season, moved it way back above the red line early in this season. The team is off next week before it travels to a surging Minnesota United, which won its second consecutive game today. Uh, the game turned on its head in the 13th minute when Kendall Waston uh, received a red card following the use of VAR for an elbow to Leandro Gonzalez Perez's jaw. What did you think of the red card? I thought it was legitimate. I didn't even I think did they too. needed VAR. Uh, it was pretty clear what happened. It was it was a little tough. I didn't pick it up live. I saw LGP go down, but I didn't see what happened. And, you know, when you go to VAR on that one, I thought it was obvious. I wondered, since it was early in the match, and we see this occasionally, where the referee doesn't want to have that much of an impact. He goes penalty and goes yellow. And Waston was surprised by it. I don't. If you go back and watch it, Waston was trying to say that Gonzalez Perez made the most of it. And when Elfath pointed penalty first, and Waston is doing the mock clapping towards LGP on the sideline, and then he didn't see the red card at first, mm-hmm. and he turned to the side and sees the red card, and then he kind of chased after LGP. Yeah, he lost it. That doesn't look very good. Yeah, I think, I mean, LGP put his hip in. Okay, it started with a free kick from the left side. It was about a 45-yard free kick swinging in. to As they were trying to battle for position, LGP put his left hip into Waston's right hip mm-hmm. to keep him from jumping. At, as Waston is watching the ball and feeling Perez, he literally throws an elbow. It wasn't he was turning no. to look at the goal. It's a back elbow. He just threw an elbow. Violent conduct. Yeah. Easy red card. I agree. Not that big of a deal. Yeah, easy, course, easy red, easy penalty. Simple. Not only did it take a man away from Vancouver, not only did it give Atlanta United a penalty kick, which Martinez obviously converted, but it also took away their biggest aerial threat since, for whatever reason, Carl Robinson didn't bring uh, Kay Kamara into the 18 for this game. Tightness in the groin is is the word that we heard. Uh, but Kai Kamara 
posted an Instagram video about an hour before the lineup came out, hanging out with uh, one of his kids, and that kind of set off alarm bells in Vancouver. Yeah, well, it should have set off alarm bells here. That's uh, it. Because without Kamara, without Waston, uh, the aerial threats were kind of negated for Vancouver. They were already bit. down one to nothing. They kind of went into a very narrow shell, gave what uh, they do. Julian Gressel all sorts of room mm-hmm. on the right. He pinged in cross after cross. I mean, great crosses that Atlanta United was just a little bit off each time. Atlanta United was very, very wasteful in the first half. Yes. And it could have cost them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have to take advantage of your opportunities. And a team like Vancouver, really going down a man didn't change their approach at all. They were going to play narrow. They were going to to play defensive and soak up pressure. I mean, they don't care if they have the ball or not. 44% possession on the season, and that's going to be lower now. Uh 44% last year. That's just how they play. Yeah, just, so, just 30% today. You know, you went from really, they matched Atlanta with a more defensive version of the 3-5-2. Looked like a 5-3-2 often. And when you lose Waston, they're just back to where they play. It's two lines of four with one up top. I mean, that, that's what they did. They invited the crosses in because they didn't want to get stretched and they felt like AHA and, and Mond were going to be able to handle them. And they did for the most part, but Atlanta United had chances in the first half to put the game away, and they didn't do it. It didn't hurt them tonight, but that's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, where we saw the good Vijaba last week, we kind of saw the heavy-footed Vijaba today. One of the chances at Atlanta United wasted was a three-on-one. You had Vijaba coming down the middle with the ball. You had Martinez streaking down the left. You had Almiron streaking down the right. Viaba made the right decision. The defender leaned one way. Viaba went the other, but he put too much on the pass, and Martinez had to go wide, mm-hmm. stop his or kind and, of change and, his pace. And Almiron stopped. Yeah, and Almiron that stopped the because the is, pass was so bad. Yeah, but Martinez <laughs> saved it <laughs> right. and then crosses it, and Almiron's and, and not there. Wasn't there. And then Vishalba had one that was correct, where he played yeah, uh, could have dropped it to Martinez at yeah. the top of the eighteen. He played the cross in like we saw last week. And inexplicably, Almiron missed an open net. You want to say inexplicably, except it's happened quite a few times. It happened in the Houston game. It happened game. in Houston. It happened in the preseason. Right. I've seen it in training many, many times. Right. I don't know quite what's wrong with Almiron, but where everything went right for him last year, not everything is going as well this season so far. No, it, it's interesting. I mean, not that he's playing poorly. Right, exactly. And that's where I was going to go with it. It's You look at the complete match, and, and Miguel does a lot of things defensively. It, it's it's interesting, this midfield right now, with Lorenowitz, Almiron, Nagby, where Nagby is the eight in terms of he's playing you know often next to Lorenowitz, a little bit deeper than Almiron. But he's in more of the free role, and it's Almiron who's chasing back often defensively, which is what he did before he came to Atlanta with Lanus, and it's what he does with Paraguay. He plays that eight role very often. He's very comfortable in it. He doesn't, until he came to Atlanta United, he wasn't a number 10. Right. He wasn't a big attacking threat. If he starts turning in some of these goals, he's going to become a very, very rich man in this winter transfer window. If he can add that element and get more comfortable in the attacking third, he will make a lot of money somewhere in Europe. And try with his right foot just every so often. Yeah, that too. Um, I was absolutely shocked tonight 
that when you saw Chris McCann in the Atlanta United lineup in place of Greg Garza, which was only because McCann is 6-1 and Garza is not even close to 6-1. It wasn't because it's St. Patrick's Day? No. Although no. I did wish him St. Patrick's Day in the locker room. <laughs> I asked him if that was really an Irish thing or if that's just an American made-up thing. And he said, no, it's an Irish thing. Uh, like, you know, Cinco de Mayo is kind of a made-up thing. Yeah. Um, Valentine's Day is kind of a made-up thing. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, that Robinson didn't look at McCann, look at Davies or Shea, and go, I should probably put one of those guys over there. Yeah, well, here's the thing about <laughs> because Carl they are Robinson. really, really fast, and McCann is very experienced, but I wouldn't describe him as fast. No, Carl Robinson just confounds me. He always has. I don't get it. Tonight, you go down a man, and you have Alfonso Davies, who, in my opinion, Alfonso Davies was the best player on the field for Vancouver. He was definitely the most threatening. Yeah, he went by Gressel a couple of times, but the rest of the time he didn't have much of an interest in playing defense. No, no. Defensively, I thought he was actually better than you would expect because he's not a defender. He's, right. he's a winger. And this is what just blows my mind about the Vancouver Whitecaps is Breck Shea has played left back a pretty good bit in his career. It was yeah. one of the experiments that uh, they've tried to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. He's a designated player who comes off the bench. That tells you all you need to know. But... <laughs> In the situation last week in Houston, when Marcel Dijon goes out, it's Davies who drops the left back. 17-year-old, flashy attacking winger who was tied for the leading goal scorer in the Gold Cup, and you're moving him to left back. Tonight, you're playing him as a left wing back, and then when you have Waston go out, you don't change it. So you're wasting your most threatening attacking player Mm -hmm. by playing him at left back. He put in a great shift at left back tonight. Mm. He had to play. He had to play very compact. That's what they do. They allow the crosses to come in. That's just how they play. But you bring on Breck Shea at halftime, and you play him ahead of Davies. Davies is the most dangerous player they had, and they didn't use him tonight. I don't get Carl Robinson's yeah. tactics at all. Uh, let's talk about Joseph Martinez for a little bit again. Um, you know, I asked him and I asked Martino in the post game. When he came from Torino, did either of them imagine him having this type of success this quickly? I mean, he's going to easily just blow by Landon Donovan, who I'm not a fan of, but who is one of the three players tied for the league record for hat tricks. Uh, He could do it against Minnesota. I mean, he did last year. Yeah, he did last year. (laughs) And, you know, Martinez kind of deflected and said he just wanted to think his teammates. Martino said, no, I expected it. We saw him play in the Copa America. Mm-hmm. We've seen him play in Venezuela. We saw him play in Italy. Um, we thought he would do this. I'll tell you what it what did it for me. I mean, I remember when the rumors started about Joseph Martinez, and they, it kind of came out of nowhere last year uh, in January, and you start doing the research on him, and I can very specifically remember trading messages with Rob Ussery at Dirty South Soccer on videos of Joseph Martinez during his time in Switzerland when he mm-hmm. first went over to Europe. Mm-hmm. And knowing what we knew about Tata Martino's style and seeing these videos of Joseph Martinez, we were giddy about what how he could fit. But honestly, at that point, you're thinking about Joseph Martinez possibly fitting in on the left wing mm-hmm. because you had Kenwin Jones mm-hmm. and you didn't know how everything was going to work. Right. We knew he would be a good fit. Even this has been just such a such. I mean, he he's the most dangerous player in the league. When he is on, and when he gets the ball in the box, he's almost automatic. That's true. 
I'll be much like Almiron in the winter transfer window. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Martinez. I can see a Mexican team making a push to try to get him. The the way he's scoring goals right now, I don't think he'll want to go back to Europe. It would have to be to a it have to be to a bigger club, and it have to. Be, I think for Joseph, I think the interesting thing is here is is he he loves Atlanta. He's been very clear in talking about how much he loves it. He loves the fan support he gets in Atlanta because he hasn't had that everywhere he's been in his career. And it would take a special offer that would pay him a whole lot of money to leave Atlanta. And the thing about goal scorers, that offer might actually happen because they're at such a premium. Yeah, they're few and far between. Um, And we have to talk about Andrew Carlton. Uh, He came in his longest shift in his very short MLS career. Uh, the 17 year old had a giveaway uh, that eventually led to a Vancouver goal that he felt responsible for, that Martino said no, in no way was he responsible for it. Uh, it was 90 meters away from the goal when it happened. Uh, but he bounced back and had an assist on Martinez's last goal. Yeah, great assist on that, great cross. Uh, we talked to him in the post match coverage on WAOK tonight and one, Andrew Carlton does not sound like a 17-year-old uh, when he talks to the media. I'm so impressed with the way he handles himself. And he, he made an impact. We, we asked him you know, what the coaching staff was telling him that he has to do to earn more playing time, and he talked about he has to make an impact when he gets time. And he did tonight. You know, he tried to make something happen on the one. Vancouver unleashes a great counter. Parkers gets beat 1v1. Great touch from Hurtado. You give up a goal. It's not Carlton's fault. That's why he's in there. He want, they want him to try things in the final third. And he was able to get his head up, create space, picked out Martinez on the back post with a perfect cross. It was, you know, those are the things that he has to do to get more minutes. Whether he's going to get more minutes when Barco comes back, uh, who knows. Uh, but Atlanta United has a week off before they go to Minnesota on March 31st, a game that was originally supposed to be Easter Sunday, moved to that Saturday night. Uh, should be an interesting game. Most of you will remember at laying out its big win in Minnesota. Some of you may have forgotten that Minnesota actually came back and tied Atlanta United. They won? Right? No, they won. They That's won. right, they won. Uh, late in the season at Mercedes-Benz with a couple of goals in the final minutes. Hey, and they're on back-to-back was, uh, wins right now. Yeah. And what was Alexander Timbakas's first and only appearance in goal uh, for Atlanta United, the team's first signing? Poor Alex. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think either of those goals were his fault. No, no. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Minnesota United has won two consecutive games. The other big news, I thought, or two other pieces of news in Major League Soccer that were interesting today, uh, were Orlando City losing again. At NYCFC. To a David Villa-less yes. NYCFC. Uh, Orlando City now really seems to be a whole lot more smoke than substance. They still don't have Dom Dwyer. I don't care. You know, they, they, Stefano Pino has <laughs> been out. I mean, don't care. they finally got questioned back today. Yeah. I think Jason Christ has excuses, but I think the hot seat is, is starting to get a little spicy. Yeah, you've, you've dropped nine or you've dropped eight points from your first mm-hmm. three games and really haven't looked like any kind of team that's going to make the playoffs. He should get a month at least with everybody back healthy, but the pressure is ratcheting up on Jason Christ. You know, fair or not, that that's the situation right now. Orlando has not been in the playoffs yet in their three years in MLS. Right. Atlanta came in and lit the league on fire last year. LAFC is lighting the league on fire this year. Even Minnesota is looking decent. Minnesota is looking good right now. Orlando, is, and we know what NYCFC has done. They're the best team in the league right now. 
Orlando is looking like they're getting lapped by every other expansion team that either came in with them or came in after them, and that pressure is going to ratchet up on Jason Christ. It's only the third game. It's It really is too early to look at the red line, but when you look at the teams that are going to compete for the playoff spots, you figure NYCFC is in, Red Bulls are likely going to be in, Atlanta United should be in. So that's three of the six Toronto. already taken. Toronto's in. Toronto, even though they lost at Montreal, yeah. that was the other shocking result today, yeah. should be in. That's hey, four of the six. Going. Montreal could get in. Nah, I'm not sold on Montreal. And Montreal, we'll see. Better. You'll give them a, give them a little uh, bit of time. Columbus, Philadelphia. Columbus, Columbus has seven points from its three games. There's only going to be like maybe one playoff spot really left to fight for for whoever's left in the East. There's one bad team in the East, and it's the New England Revolution. Yeah. They're, the the rest of the teams are not bad. DC United with 15 of 17 home games in the second half of the season. Yep. If they can just hang in there in the first half, and they they fought back and, and found a point today. Right. If they can just hang in there, well, that was a good result for DC falling two zero behind. Every five thousand people. Every yeah, seriously. Every team that has had a backloaded home schedule in MLS history, every single one has made the playoffs. And D.C. gets a chance to do that. D.C. has the talent to do it. The only team that I see no chance at the playoffs for in the Eastern Conference is New England. Right. Yeah. So Orlando can't fall too far behind. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. The other uh, result, as I mentioned, was Toronto losing at Montreal. Uh, of course, uh, the highlight for me of that game was watching Michael Bradley simply stop chasing Ignacio Piatti down the field as he had the assist that led to the only goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in CONCACAF Champions League for Toronto and Michael Bradley. Yep, there you go. All right, we're going to wrap up this edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Jason, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at Longshoe. You can find myself, John Nelson, Jarrett Smith, on Soccer Down Here, uh, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 11. It's blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here or available on your podcast catchers afterwards. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You can find this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, on iTunes. I hope that you'll subscribe to our digital edition of the paper at myajc.com. That's where you can find every single piece of content that I write. So far tonight, I have posted a 15-paragraph game story, my choice man of the match, my player ratings, the buy the numbers, Uh, On the free version of the site, there's a much shorter game story. You'll find this podcast there. And then tomorrow morning, uh, you will have my five observations from this game. At some point, I'll post those. Um, And again, Atlanta United, 4-1 winners here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium over Vancouver. Next game is at Minnesota United in two weeks. And if you don't want to support us, please support everybody else that covers soccer. Dirty South Soccer, SoccerDownHere.com, all those guys. Thank you very much, and happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.